What's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 42. We're going to cover our last two chapters, Leviticus 26 and 27. These two chapters are interesting because they pretty much conclude Leviticus. And the way that God concludes these are with blessings and curses. And so you have your commands and now God is attaching blessing to obedience and curses to disobedience. Let's read verse one. You shall not make for yourself idols, nor shall you set up for yourself an image or a sacred pillar, nor shall you place a figured stone in your land and bow to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I will give you rain. Here's the blessings. Give you rains in their season so that the land will yield its produce and the fruit and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Indeed, your threshing will last for you until great gathering. The great gathering will last until sowing time. You will thus eat your food to the full and live securely in your land. I will also grant peace in the land so that you may lie down with no one making you tremble. I will also eliminate harmful beasts from the land and no sword will pass through your land, but you will chase your enemies and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. So I will turn toward you and make you fruitful and multiply and I will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old supply and clear out the old because of the new. Moreover, here it is. This is what I was reading to. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. This is what we wanted to read. God says he will walk among his people if they obey him. Where did we hear that language before? You guessed it. In the Garden of Eden, God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. In fact, he was coming to walk with them when they disobeyed, when they hid themselves. That was their daily communion. God, remember, rest. He was enjoying his creation. And God wants to get creation back to rest. And Leviticus has unlocked that for us. How do you get back to rest? You get back to rest by being holy. And because we walk through Leviticus and he's taught them how to be holy, now he can walk among them and be their God. And this is so beautiful to see that God is radically renovating his people and showing them, teaching them how to get back to holiness. And we hope they get it, but we know they don't. But remember, there's a remnant that always gets it. There's a remnant that looks to what God was trying to teach and point to. So here, after this statement, you get penalties for the disobedience, which is why you see this adversative conjunction here. But if you do not obey me and do not carry out these commands, if instead you reject my statutes and if your soul abhors my ordinances so as not to carry out all my commands and so break my covenant, I will in turn do this to you. I will appoint over you sudden terror, consumption and fever that will waste away the eyes and cause the soul to pine away, 
Also, you will sow seed in your land uselessly, for your enemies will eat it up. I will set my face against you so that you will be struck down before your enemies, and those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee when no one is pursuing you. And if after these things you do not obey me, I will punish you seven times more for your sin. And verse 21, if then you act in hostility against me and are unwilling to obey me, I will increase the plague on you seven times according to your sins. And so we have to know that God is serious and that he means business because he's shown it all throughout Leviticus. He's given examples of not to trifle with his holiness, not to remember the third command, take his name in vain. If he says something, he means it. And they know he's capable of the plagues because they saw him perform them. So in verse 23, it says, and if by these things you are not turned to me, but act in hostility against me, then I will act in hostility against you. Remember, ironic retaliation. Verse 27, yet if in spite of this, you do not obey me, but act in hostility against me, then I will act with wrathful hostility against you. And I, even I, will punish you seven times for your sins. And you see this over and over. But God says that, verse 40, if you confess their iniquities and the iniquities of their forefathers and their unfaithfulness, which they committed against me, and also in their acting with hostility against me, I also was acting with hostility against them to bring them into the land of their enemies. Or if their uncircumcised heart becomes humble, so that they make amends for their iniquities, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will remember my covenant with Isaac, and I will remember my covenant with Abraham as well, and I will remember the land. And as you can see in verse 35 here, it says, all of the days of its desolation, it will observe the rest, which it did not observe on your Sabbaths while you were living on it. And I want to take a note here because I said I would bring this up in the future, but you want to know why Israel went into captivity for 70 years? Remember, after six years, they were supposed to let the land rest on the seventh year, and they never even began to obey it. And you have to think about it. We talked about this. It, it's hard to obey. You can't till the land and deal with the land for a year. You just have to trust the Lord to provide for you that year, like he provided for you on the Sabbath, like he provided for you with the manna. But now it's elongated into a year. And so you get quite naturally why this was hard for Israel. But you also have to remember how faithful their God has been to them. But they never even began to obey this. And so God turns this on its head and says, because you didn't do this, my land will get its rest, like I said it would. And I'm going to send you into captivity until my land gets its rest. And when it does, I'll bring you out. And let me show you, it's even deeper than that. God is saying, not only will my land get its rest, I'm sending you back where you came from. Guess where I called Abraham from? Abraham Ur of the Chaldeans, who is from Babel, Babylon. Israel, I'm sending you back to Babylon, where you came from, and my land will get its rest because you didn't obey Leviticus. And you just have to see how powerful our God is and how genius he is to 
retaliate in a way that turns human history on its head so that he will be obeyed. And so here's my encouragement to you. Read Leviticus, because if we miss Leviticus, God will not miss what he said he would do if we miss Leviticus. But thank the Lord that we can depend on Christ who, who read every word of Leviticus and obeyed every word of Leviticus so we wouldn't have to. But let's still read it for our encouragement and our understanding. And chapter 27 ends with, thou shall not steal. That's the summary for this, which is valuations and just weights and tithing properly. And that's how the chapter ends. It tells Israel how to tithe. Verse 30 says, thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If therefore a man wishes to redeem part of his tithe, he shall add to it one fifth of it. For every tenth part of the herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. And so this is the first and only mention of a tithe in Leviticus where the people are to give 10%. And this is where that principle comes to tithe 10%. But it's really built, built on a misunderstanding. The first one is Israel didn't give money. They gave crops. The second one is they didn't just give 10%. They gave 23 and a third. They gave 23.33%. And I'll show you how. So there's a tent that they're supposed to tithe here in Leviticus 27.30. Then there's another tent that they're supposed to tithe. We'll read about in Deuteronomy 14.22. Then there's another tent that they're supposed to tithe every three years in Deuteronomy 14 as well, verses 28 and 29. And when you add that up, one tent plus another tent, which is 20%, then another tent every three years. So you divide that one by three and you add those together. That's 23 and a third. And so I always like to pick on people who are sticklers and legalists when it comes to tithing. They say, oh, I give my 10%. I obey the Lord. I say, really, actually, you're not. The standard tithe was 23 and a third percent. And people's eyes get bucked in and they're like, no, it's not. No, it's not. I can't give that. That doesn't mean it's not true because you can't give it. But the reason I do that is to take the ground from under people to not be legalistic around tithing because we're not under that principle to have to tithe. One is actually not 10%. And two, we're under the new covenant principle of giving, which is not given under compulsion but given with a cheerful heart. But here's the good news. 10% is really a comfortable number for most people. And so that's really a good standard baseline number to give around in budget. I just ask that if anybody struggles with that, to truly check their traditions and understand what tithing was for and why people tithe and why we give today. And let's not mix the two together because of traditions and customs that were passed down to us. Let's search the scriptures and be Bereans and come to our positions biblically and do it as an act of worship and trust to the Lord. 
guys, verse 34, these are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the sons of Israel on Mount Sinai. And there you have it. We've completed the book of Leviticus and we've got a prescription of what it need of what it means to be holy. And now we got to give it a trial run. They're about to go in the wilderness and take all of this information and God is going to see that they'll apply it. That's what happens. You go in the classroom, then you go in the dojo. Leviticus was the classroom. That's why we had to do a lot of teaching and lecturing around the 10. And now we're about to apply it in numbers. And I look forward to walking through this with you and seeing how Israel does. I can't really build up too much suspense because you know how they do. But I'll try my best to continue to walk through this text with you. You all have a good Sunday. You all have a good Lord's Day this Sunday. Worship a risen, resurrected Christ who has taken care of everything, every jot and tittle that we've read about in Leviticus. Worthy is the Lamb. Yeah. Love you guys. Take care.